Well, please turn for me this evening to Psalm 84. Psalm 84. And verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. My friends, this is our text uh, for tonight. And the message is grace and glory. Grace and glory. Wonderful uh, gifts of God. Grace and glory. You can't buy this in the shops. <laughs> you can't go to the supermarket. You can't go online and find grace and glory. You have to go to God for it. That's the only place you will find grace and glory. It's not available anywhere else. And there's nothing like it, friends. There's nothing like grace and glory. If you get grace, you'll get glory. Glory will automatically, as it were, follow. The chief thing, though, is to get grace. Get the grace from the Lord. And we'll come to that in a moment. Now, when you read this psalm all the way through, and it's a very short psalm, uh, you may think that these really are the words of a fanatic. Sound like the words of a madman. It sounds like the words of a person who is somewhat deranged. To put it simply, if I could modernize what he is saying, here is a person who seems to be missing church. He's absent from the congregation of God's people and is moaning and is, is groaning over his absence. It's causing him great distress that he can't be in the house of God. He's missing it tremendously been there so many times. He's been often at that house of God. It's his habit, this person, the psalmist, it's his habit to go. He loved to go there. And he's joined with others many, many times in worshipping in that place. But now, now he cannot. Now he is absent from God's house. We think that this psalm was written by David. And he was written when he was in exile after his son Absalom uh, rose up against him and David had to flee for his life. He had to flee and leave Jerusalem and leave behind his palace and all that he knew and loved in that city. And especially, he had to leave the tabernacle. And this is uh, what he remembers in his exile. And you, he, uh, he misses above everything else the uh, the tabernacles of God, which is the place where God met with his people. He joined with others, as I said, many, many times going before, but now he cannot. And it's a pain into his soul. He looks with envy at the birds. The birds can fly into the, that tabernacle. And at the altars of God, they can make their nest there. And he looked and he, he envied those those birds, the sparrows uh, and the swallows that went there. And then in his mind's eye, he can see the people, maybe from all the different cities around Palestine and streaming into Jerusalem, making their way there for the feast. And again, he envies those people. Oh, you have the freedom to go to, to the tabernacle. I don't. Well, he's, uh, this is such a tremendous loss uh, to uh, this person. 
But what's so tremendous about it? Why is David so anxious? It's, it's not, friends, because he loves the architecture of the tabernacles. It's not that there was something special in the building itself. No, friends. It was because that was the place where God present, presenced himself. That was the place where God met with his people, the tabernacles, before they had the temple. They didn't have the temple then. The tabernacle was a kind of tent where God met with his people. And David was longing for God. Verse 1, verse 2 rather, My flesh crieth out for the living God. He was yearning for God. But we may struggle to understand this. Church? Church? <laughs> Exciting place? Longing for the church? We don't get many people longing to go to church uh, today. What's so exciting about the church? Oh, the Premier League. Oh, that's exciting, isn't it? The Premier League is tremendous. That keeps me glued to the TV. I could watch it all day. Action movies. Yeah, they're fantastic. That's exciting, isn't it? Shopping. Oh, even shopping. Oh, looking at all those things. Window shopping. Yeah, that's ex even exciting. Going to church. Ooh. Walk in the park, maybe. All these things maybe we find are exciting. Those are appealing to us. But going to church, well... Uh, we, can't, we can't see any enjoyment in that, any attraction in that. Well, I have to agree with you to a degree. If your idea of church is what you see on the TV, if what you see is the institutional services and the ceremonies and the same words repeated again and again, where they have these people, religious people, in, dressed in funny dresses, and carrying strange instruments, and it all doesn't make sense. And you think, what's the relevance of all that to today? What's the relevance of all that to me? That doesn't look very exciting. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I've come from that background, I should know. It's very dull and boring. But friends, uh, that's not true Christianity. Uh, that's not a true church. A true church is one where God is present, where his word is heard where God is present to bless his people, present to save, present to hear the cry of needy people, and in a very real way to answer their cries and to answer, uh, their, to come alongside them and help them. King David knew God. That's why he longed to be in God's presence. He knew that God was good and kind and gracious and forgiving. He knew what God was like. The idea, the thought of God didn't repel him. It drew him to the Lord. We don't know God, perhaps, as he really is. So often we are guilty of entertaining an unfavorable conception of him, of misunderstanding him, of thinking of him in the wrong way. If only we understood him as he is revealed in the Bible. If only we could get a true idea of him, then perhaps we too would long and cry for him, the living God. He is the living God. Well, I'm going to just focus on verse 11 because verse 11 tells us something about this living God, something about his nature and his kindness. For the Lord God 
is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Well, let's break this down uh, phrase by phrase. Firstly, the Lord God is a sun. A sun. Well, he's not literally a sun, but the language here, it's used in this way to help us. It's uh, God condescending to come down to our level and using uh, images and objects that we are familiar with so that we can come to an understanding of what he is like. And here, David compares him to a son. God uh, is a son. Well, let me, there are many left parallels we could draw out uh, from this uh, particular uh, figure, but I'm just going to mention uh, two or three. Firstly, you know, as you know, the sun is as old as the earth. The sun has always been here from day one of creation, or from the first week, I should say, of creation. The sun has always been here, and it always will be here. Has the sun changed over that time? No, it's always been the same, consistent. People have come, people have gone, uh, generations have come, generations have gone, uh, countries, nations have risen, nations have fallen over the thousands of years that uh, civilization has been in existence. But the sun is still the same. The sun is uh, there. It is now as it always has been. And so it is with God. God is the one constant in this ever-changing world. But God has no beginning like the sun had a beginning. God is eternal. He is without beginning and without end. He is always be the ever-present, ever self-existent God. He will always be here. You cannot get rid of God. People are trying to get rid of God. You cannot get rid of Him. He will always be there, right into eternity in the future. He is, He was, He is, and He always will be. He never grows old. He never changes. He never loses energy. He never tires. He never retires. He's always the same unchanging God. Then we, have to, we can say about the sun, well, we know this, isn't it? It's, it's primary stuff in a sense. The sun is so necessary uh, for our planet. Uh, without it, we know that the heat, without the heat from the sun, well, we would freeze to death. Uh, we wouldn't be able to survive uh, in this world without the sun. Furthermore, the sun provides light and life uh, for us. The plants, well, they need that, the, the sunlight. They couldn't, uh, they couldn't grow without the sunlight, and we need the plants, and the animals need the plants for food and for oxygen and so on. And the sun, well, it doesn't shine, uh, it doesn't shine in an indis it sh or rather, it shines indiscriminately. It shines on everyone. It doesn't pick and choose. I'm going to shine on one, one country and not on another. It shines on all. The sun is impartial. All, everyone in this world, at some point or other in the day, feels the benefit of the sun. Only a foolish and ignorant person would say, well, I can live without the sun. I don't need the sun. Well, friends, is it, uh, God, when we say God is a sun, it's telling us we are dependent on Him. 
just as we are dependent on the sun for life and light in this world and energy, we are dependent on God. Uh, he uh, is the one who keeps us alive. He is the one who sustains us. He gives us life, and then He's every moment sustaining his, us. We owe our lives uh, to Him, and He is good to all. He is the one who causes the sun to shine on the good and the evil, on the thankful and the unthankful. He is kind to everyone. He is good to everyone to some degree. He's especially good to those who trust in Him, but His goodness reaches every single human being on this planet. And it would, would be a, a foolish thing for me to rise up and say, I can live without God, because we can't. But then we have to say here, maybe perhaps this is very much in the mind of David when he says this, uh, the sun is a very pleasant thing, isn't it? Oh, most of us like the sun. I think all of us like the sun, especially after a winter. We're, getting, we're moving into winter now, and I'm not looking forward to it one bit. I don't like it. I don't like the cold days, the dark days. Well, we look forward. We can't wait for spring to return and the sun to shine again so that we can feel its warmth upon on our bodies and we can go out. Oh, it, it's a wonderful uh, to have the sun. We miss it when it's hidden away behind those clouds. But the sun, doesn't it? It puts a spring into our steps. People are more likely, to, are, are happier uh, when the sun is shining. So also to know the Lord, our oh, friends, to be in a right relationship with Him, it's a very pleasant thing. It's a joyful thing to know Christ and to know the Lord. It's a happy thing. It brings joy into our lives. It removes the darkness, the dark clouds, and we feel uh, in, in our souls that we, are, uh, we have obtained a true uh, happiness. It's a very pleasant thing to know and serve the Lord. But then uh, look also, this is another, uh, David goes on to say, the Lord God is a son and he is also a shield. A shield stands for protection, of course. Uh, in, in warfare these days, it's not common to see soldiers going out into the battlefield uh, with shields. Uh, it was in, in those days. Not, you may see it on our streets in London sometimes when the, the riot police are having to carry their shields and all those missiles and bottles and other stuff is uh, thrown at them. But uh, it wasn't so, was a lot more common uh, in, in these times in which David lived, uh, that the soldiers would have those shields to protect uh, them, to keep them safe. And uh, the thought here that we could think of tonight is that Christ is a shield to those who trust in him. Christ is a shield to those who, who, uh, who, who believe in him. He will be near us to protect us from all our spiritual enemies. There are many enemies that we face. The devil, our sins, all of these, uh, the world who will be out to destroy us, to hurt us in a spiritual way, to take us away from God. But I want to think of uh, just for a moment of Christ as our shield from the judgment of God, from the judgment of God. This last week, I heard of uh, 
a, a, a tragedy really in Australia. And uh, a family, uh, three, three young kids, all under 10 years old. And uh, one day, the, um, the mum was in the house, dad was at work. Mum was in the house and the three uh, siblings were in the shed, in the garden shed. And uh, they were playing there, no doubt having some fun or other. And uh, uh, something caught fire, we do not know what, but some, uh, a fire began and it be, a, a blaze began. And as soon as the mother heard the cries of her children, of course, she ran out and she tried to rescue her children who were trapped uh, in that shed. But she couldn't. And all three children, all three youngsters uh, uh, died. But when they, uh, when they eventually uh, discovered the bodies, they saw that the, the eldest uh, child was covering, as it were, the two younger ones, his two younger siblings, protecting them, shielding them, trying to keep them, uh, even at that young age, trying to protect them from that fire. Sadly, uh, he was not able to do that. But that's what Christ does for us. Friends, that's the picture of what the Lord Jesus has come and died. And when you see him dying upon that cross, he's acting like a shield for his people, for all those who will trust in him. A shield from what? What is the fire? The fire of God's wrath. The fire of God's anger. The fire of God's judgment. It's heading our way. It's falling down upon us. And there on the cross, the Lord Jesus places himself between us and that judgment. And he acts like a shield for us so that it falls upon him instead of reaching us. And the arrows come, are shot our way, and we deserve to be shot down by those arrows of judgment. And instead they hit him. He is that shield to bear it all so that we may be protected, so that our souls may be protected and kept safe. And he had to die. He had to bear it all. He had to die. But we live through his death. We live. This is Christ, our shield. But this is something what God is. But then we move on to see what God gives. The Lord will give grace and glory. God gives grace. Well, friends, grace, as I said, is my deepest need. This is what I need from God, God's free favor, God to bless me uh, with salvation that is undeserved and free and unmerited. I have nothing that I have that, uh, that I can offer God, nothing at least that he will accept. If I bring to him my good works and say, Lord, accept this works, he will reject it. If I bring to him my resolutions and say, Lord, I am determined to live by your Ten Commandments. I am going to try my very best not to hurt others and harm others. And I will try to be in church and I will try to please you. If I do these things, he will reject me because I am a sinner. And everything I touch is not a Midas touch, but a sinful touch. Everything I do is tainted with sin. And a holy God cannot accept my offerings to him. It, it's, it's not possible. 
If I come to God with a, a gift in my hand and say, Lord, let's meet together. I've got something to give to you. Here is my gift. And in this is a list of all the good works that I have done and all the, the, the good resolutions that I've had and all the people that I've helped and been kind to in life. Lord, I give this to you. Now, will you give me salvation? He will say, no. You cannot come to him in that way. Just yesterday, the world rugby came to an end. There were, uh, the, 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 the people there, as you know, if you ever watch rugby, well, the, the players, they're very big, burly men. You wouldn't want to mess with them, really, if you met them. But they're strong, strong people. But there you see them on, uh, on, the, on the field there. They're laboring. They're working hard for their team, trying to get their team and that ball over the line. They're sweating. Blood as well is dripping from many of them. Many of them are covered in bandages. They've put hours behind all this activity. They've put hours and hours in the gym and running and strength training. And they've done all these things so that they can get that reward at the end and win that World Cup and lift it up. And they're willing to put 110% of effort into obtaining these things. Oh, we applaud them for that earthly thing. But you cannot do that with salvation. You cannot give 110% to try and earn it and at the end say, Lord, I've done, put sweat and blood and tears into trying to please you. Now accept me. It doesn't work like that. Grace is not grace, then it works. Or put, take another example in a marriage. In a marriage, well, the two parties are attracted, isn't it, to each other. One, the man loves, sees something wonderful, beautiful in the wife, and the, the, the wife sees something attractive in the husband, and so there's a, a coming together. They are wanting to be together. Well, it's not like that with our relationship. The beginning of a person's relationship with God is not like that. God sees nothing in us. There's nothing in us to attract him. There's everything to repel him from us. As we heard today in the Sunday school, we're like that skunk that smells and stinks. There's nothing that, that would make us God want to draw near to us in a natural way like that. There's nothing to attract us, friends. How then can I find acceptance with God? How can I uh, have salvation? Well, it's a freely given freely given to those who trust in, in, in Christ. God asks you and says to you, come as you are. Come as you are. With all your, but I've got a, a load of sins I haven't conquered yet. Yes, don't wait until you conquer them. It'll never happen. Come as you are. Ask the Lord to help you to conquer your sins. Don't come with anything in your hands. Come empty-handed. Come empty-handed to Him, and He will fill you uh, with uh, good things. Come to Him confessing your sin. Don't hide it. Tell it as it is. Come to Him and say, Lord, I am guilty. I am undeserving. I deserve to be put far away from You forever. I don't deserve any blessing from You. Come to Him in this way, and He will hear uh, such a prayer. Say, Lord, be gracious unto me because of Christ. 
That's the way to come, friends. God will meet you when you come on these terms. You come with something in your hands, you're rejected. You come with nothing in your hands. You come as a beggar to Him and say, Lord, I need a handout. I need a handout. I need you to be merciful and to forgive me freely because I have nothing at all to offer you. This is the way, friends. You know what he'll say to you when you come in this way? I have blotted out your transgressions as a thick cloud. Your sins are forgiven you. This is it, friends. Tell him you deserve nothing and he will give you everything freely. He will load you uh, with uh, blessings. He will give you that salvation freely. He will give you a conscience free from condemnation and free from guilt. He will give you that peace and joy uh, with Him. He will give you, friends, a deep happiness, access to Him. This is what uh, God will do for you. But it's all uh, of grace. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the, foul, yeah, foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Saviour, or I die. This is grace, friends. God a giving. And he has an infinite supply. Don't think he's mean. He's generous. He's plenteous in grace. Plenteous grace with him is found. Grace to cover all my sin. But friends, he doesn't give grace to all. It's reserved only for those uh, who come humbly to him. If I come boasting of my own goodness or my merits and if I come seeking a reward for myself and the way I've lived, I'll get nothing from God. That's what the Bible says very clearly. Pride obtains nothing from God. It must come in that humble way. But let me move on very quickly. God gives glory. God not only gives grace, but if He gives you grace, if you obtain grace, glory it will surely follow. Glory, what's that? A place in heaven. A permanent place in heaven will be given to you. When you leave this world, and we all must at some point, unless the Lord return, when you leave this world, and you go into the next world, well, if you have grace in your heart, and you know the Lord and are trusting Him, those gates of heaven will open wide to you, and you'll be welcomed into God's home and God's heaven. You'll be welcomed into that place where there is no night, it's day forever. You will enter into what we call glory. Glory. A place where there is no stress or distress. A place without pain and troubles, without unhappy memories. I was talking to a dear brother only recently, and he was telling me, some of the things that happened to him. And he said, sometimes I just, when I'm on my own, he said, I just weep. When I remember what happened to me and all that pain that he went through, he said, I just weep. But I, I feel for, for him. We feel for him. But all those unhappy memories, but he'll remember them no more when he's in glory. 
You'll remember them no more. It will no longer cause him such distress. It's a place without tears. Maybe tears of joy will be there. There's nothing unpleasant. It's a place of perfect love. Heaven. A place where everyone loves you and your love. you love everyone. You can hardly imagine such, such a thing where everyone is uh, happy. Glory also includes a new glorified body. You'll never be sick again. Uh, a, body, a glorified body will be given to you that it will be so much, much, much better than what you, you have uh, today. No more aches, no more pains. Your capacities will be enlarged. Your mind, your heart to receive uh, so much more from the Lord. You'll be learning. You'll be seeing new scenes, new, new things there. Glorious things. Things that are uh, unspeakable uh, and inexpressible in the world that we live in. Little is said of, about heaven because it's just no words really to express those things that are available and offered to us if only we will turn to the Lord. Glory also, friends, is recognition. Recognition. The Lord Jesus Christ himself will acknowledge you when you're in heaven. I know that man. Christ will say to you, I know that woman. He's mine. She is mine. I know them. I recognize them. They trusted in me while they were on the earth. They walked with me. They looked to me. They loved me. They believed in me. They're mine. I recognize that person. They belong to me. And I will never lose them. Father, that person is mine. There's a recognition there. Or perhaps, if you know, sometimes the king, he goes on these street walks. And he uh, shakes hands with people along the street. If you were one of those people there, maybe in the crowds, and you're longing to, they will come your way. And he does. And he comes your way. And he says, I know you. <laughs> I know you. I know all about you. I know what work you do and so on. Oh, you'll be chuffed, isn't it? You'll be thrilled that the, the King Charles knows you. You'll be so happy. You'll be go home. You'll tell all your friends. Oh, and you'll be speaking about it for the rest of your life. There was that time I remember when we was in such and such a place and King Charles was walking, da, 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 and he, he, he came to me and out of all the people and he... Oh, friends, when Christ points us out in glory and recognizes us, it's a million times better than that. It's a million times better. That's glory. When Christ says, I know you, well done good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Well, friends, he goes on to say, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. And that speaks about everything in between from the time we come to know the Lord in grace right until glory. All that we need, Christ will provide for us as we are his children. Walk, but I have to close with this. Will he, there is a condition from them that walk uprightly. It's not for all, but for those who walk uprightly. What's that? Simply this, friends. 
It's for those who are in a right relationship with God. It's for those who have repented of their sins, who have decided, not, not decided, who have come to that place where they have yielded their lives over to the Savior. And said, no longer am I going to live in this rebellious way for myself. I lay down my arms. I'm no longer going to fight. I'm going to yield myself entirely to the Savior. Live for Him. He's going to be my Lord. He's going to be my Savior. That's what it means to walk uprightly with the Lord. Sincere trust in Him. Oh, friends, have you done that? Have you repented of your sins? Have you yielded your life uh, to, over to Him? Look at these blessings that are uh, offered to you. Grace, free salvation, a place in heaven, glory. How can we say no? How can we turn it away? How can we be uh, so uh, indifferent to these things? Come to Him. Give your heart and life to Him. And you will know and experience tremendous blessing uh, from the Lord. Let's pray together. O oh, most merciful God and Saviour, we thank you once again for your gracious dealings with us and oh, how you have made a way for us to be shielded from the judgment to come and a way for grace to come pouring down to us through our Saviour. Truly, Lord, we have nothing to offer you, nothing to present to you, but we thank you that you ask for nothing, but only that we trust in the Saviour. And this we would do even this night. Help us, help any here who have not done so already. Help them to put their trust in Christ entirely and to know the joy of sins forgiven and the assurance of a place in heaven. We ask these mercies in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's uh, sing together our final hymn, which is number 374, Approach My Soul, the Mercy Seat, 374.